This is a HeadGum Original. In 1977, NASA sent two solid gold records into space so that aliens might find them and understand life on Earth. I send greetings on behalf of the people of our planet and friendly wishes to all who may encounter this voyager. Now, we're making new records with our friends. We step out of our solar system into the universe seeking only peace and friendship. We know full well that our planet and all its inhabitants are but a small part of this immense universe that surrounds us. Hello from the children of planet Earth. Well, Shelby, how you doing? Caleb, good. How are you? I'm good. I um, will probably talk about this a little bit later in the episode, but I went to Sephora for the first time in my life today. Okay. Did you like it? I did. It was really interesting. A very... um extremely knowledgeable man talked to me for 45 minutes about um, skincare. I learned a lot. Something I don't understand about a Sephora is that there's so many testers that you could put on a full face for free just from testing. And I don't know how they stay in business. You can. Well, eventually they would, uh, you won't be able to do that too many times before you got caught. You know what? I, I went well, out of my so way. There's so many of them. Shelby, I went out of my way <laughs> to not go to a mall location because I didn't want to fucking deal with a mall. I love a freestanding store. I love a freestanding store, but... Today I went to Row LA, Row Downtown LA. Never been. I hope they're cool because you're giving the girlies free clout. I, I mean, it's I think just owned by the city, so I don't know. But <laughs> um, <laughs> it is like a bunch of stores, bunch of restaurants, bunch of cafes. Everything was so cute. It is ultimately uh, pretty like standardized, mm. like gentrified but it was cool i will say that very telling that standardized and gentrified are interchangeable for you yeah actually we do have to back very up telling. Some of that. no 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 people need to know who you are when people i'm always saying this when people show you who they are believe them and that's something I'm always saying. I think what I meant is it is, you know, when you see, you know, when you see a bunch of houses that all look the same and you're like, oh, that's gentrification. Like, and, and, and the rest of us would go, oh, that's bad. Shelby goes, that's amazing. I want more of that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but no, you're like, oh, that's I know gentrification. what you mean. Yeah. Standardized. It, it, it standardized isn't like the standard. Like it should be this way. You're saying like everything. Yeah. Looks- not setting the standard. Everything is. The same um, color, the same yeah, gradient. Yeah, it's the um, same, very yeah. 1984. Is that the book? 1984. Yeah, baby. I can't read. Speak on that. Speak <laughs> Thank on you. that. I don't know anything other than that Apple made an ad based on that book. Mm. Um, do you want to talk about our guest? I'm really F word excited and the F stands for fucking. Oh my. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I am really fucking excited about our guest today. He has a oh brand new comedy special coming out. Shelby, you know the name of it. It's Chris Gathered's Half My Life. And the, the reason that the name is before Half My Life is because that's the name of our guest today. Everybody, please welcome it's Chris our Gethard. guest. Chris Gathered. Yes, yes, Chris Gathered. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello, hello. It's very good to be here. I am so excited to have you here. Before we got on, you mentioned the Meg Stalter show. You're friends with Meg. I am, yeah, and I've seen you on there, and I admire that show greatly. And um, 
shouted to the hilltops about it when I when I discovered it. <laughs> it's so psychotic. We uh, Meg used to shoot that in Chicago when we all lived there um, in like uh, the Onion Studios. But I actually saw you for the first time when you were testing um, your. Uh, well, I saw you about a million times when I lived in New York in college. I'm a huge fan, but I saw you testing oh, um, career suicide at Shea Stadium in Brooklyn. Oh, you were at that. Where I, I, I was just thinking about that show today, actually, because blah, blah, blah. The special is shot in all these DIY venues, and Shea Stadium was like the big one for me in New York. And I think if I remember that show right, did, did not the air conditioning go out? It sure did, and it was really, <laughs> it was really tough. <laughs> Blasting fans while I'm trying to talk about killing myself? It yeah, was horrible. Perfect. It was horrible. Wait, um, that sounds like an incredible night. It, it actually was. was. Yeah, <laughs> it was like one of my favorite spaces. They really took me in, like family and being up there with the fans blasting and I'm like pouring my heart out in an early version of the show. And then we did a Q and a, and there were some things that were said by um, audience members that really were very raw and kind of shocked me. I viscerally remember this night because um, my friend Caleb Doyle is a huge uh, fan of yours. And I called him afterwards and I was, shout out Doyle. And um, I was walking back to the train and this, I think, I think this was the first summer I lived in New York. Um, and I was trying to explain to him the, the Q and a section and I was crying walking to the train and uh, there were several people around me not paying any attention to me, which I thought was very strange, but now I know it's just living in a city, but I'm not from a city. Um, it was a great show. It was a very fun night. Thanks. It was fun. I remember there was someone who in the Q and a, I think like bared their soul about trying to explain to their parents about like their, if I remember right, it was like, I'm trying to like explain my, my gender to you. And it's, and it was like a hot room and we were all sweating and everybody was just like, Oh my God. But it was, it was um like when Judd Apatow produced the show, he's the one who was like, we could sit here and like have actual notes but he's like, I think you need to take this thing all over the country and do Q&As afterwards. And I was like, that sounds awkward. But he was right. He was right. Yeah. And wow. it turned out so great. Yeah. Well, we brought you, Chris, because we want to ask you about a really important question yeah. about what you would put. If we were setting new records into space, what would you put on yours? So I thought very long and hard about this. Okay. And I mentioned before, right? Like, I want to live in the world where Meg's show gets picked up. Right. Right. I've I've done a lot of strange comedy in in my life that has led to me having like a cult fan base, but has probably has probably not uh it's probably also part of why I'm living in New Jersey and have no one like twenty years of doing this and I'm not the, a mainstream name. So I thought that this would be a, a good opportunity for me to launch things into space. Whereupon, if an alien race was ever to locate them, they would assume that the world we live in now was much more akin to the world I wish it was. It's not representative at all of actual society or culture. It's what I would use to shape an alien race's uh, thoughts Idea. on us. Yes, yes. I, I'm manipulating them into remembering the world as the world I wish it was. We sort of talked about this the other day about like if if we could identify them by like we send something and we tell them this is normal and they come and try to assimilate by being that perceived idea of normal and it's completely abnormal it would be the easiest way to identify them. Yeah. I'm with you. If we were like 
everyone paints their face orange. Yes. And they did that. When we see some orange-faced dudes walking around, we'd be like, Oh, if it was like an infiltration. Yeah, if they came and they were like, we're trying to assimilate, we're trying to, we would be like, okay, well, we can identify you by like the little bits of information we like seeped into the records to try and trick you. And is that most of the crux of the podcast, assuming that there will be an invasion that we need to thwart? Is this a running theme? No, I would say that we often are concerned about what would happen based on what we send up. Mm -hmm. If they did come. Yeah. Would it be perceived as a threat? Are they coming for for a fight? Or would it be like, it's more, (laughs) I think the crux of the pot is let's send some stuff to space. But (laughs) But then sometimes the questions we ask are like, are we setting ourselves up for murder at the mm-hmm. hands of a, a, a smarter alien race? And we also have we have a, we have a, we have a disagreement on um, whether or not the existence of aliens. Yeah, T- Shelby, Shelby is I team. Yes, them. Caleb and does I am not. team. I'm team. Probably not. Now, how do you feel about the fact that no one in the news talked about it when Barack Obama was like, oh, no, yeah, there's UFOs. And it's just nobody mentioned it. Because Caleb's whole thing is, yeah, there are UFOs. It's a plastic bag. My whole thing (laughs) is. Okay, 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 okay. Let's let's pause. Let's pause 12 seconds on that. My whole thing is, of course, there are UFOs. We have a term for these things that appear in the sky. Sometimes they do literally turn out to be plastic bags or, or, or military tests or whatever. But... I'm not saying they're completely explainable. I'm just saying, are there little uh, creatures in them that live on another planet who run them and are doing like recon on Earth? I don't know. I don't think so. But maybe. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm open-minded. I just tend to err towards, and probably from mostly for my own mental health, I tend to just err on the side of, no, sure I was going to say, Caleb, Caleb can't really, I don't think, deal with the idea that we'd have other people to deal with. <laughs> no, I got, you know, I, I uh, for like uh, six months in college, I started allowing myself to think about death and what happens after we die. And it uh, really fucked me up. So I put, I put that away. Let's get into it. What does happen after we die? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, what's the afterlife, do you think? Uh, I assume worm food. Okay. Physically, sure, yeah. That's my guess is that you most you just decompose and uh, you hope that the obituary was kind. Like, that's it. Oh, my God. I hope my obituary is kind. I think, I think I'll have a pretty cool obituary. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. I think you will. And I hope it's I hope it's like I want mine to be drippingly sincere. I want it to be so sincere yes. and heartfelt. I don't want one of those like he couldn't go a day without a Dr. Pepper. Like that's true about me, but I want like he was the kindest. <laughs> he was the nicest friend. I Even hope it's not true. Only sentence I hope it's one sentence long and that sentence is he couldn't go a day without a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I hope that's the entirety of your obituary. Rest in peace. I have a really good plan for my headstone, actually. Oh, please do tell. A bust? A bust of your head? No, 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 no. Way, way creepier than that. (laughs) Well, I worked for a number of years at a magazine that was largely about haunted places and ghosts and things like that. It was called Weird New Jersey. It was all haunted stuff in New Jersey. Um, Because the the magazine wasn't like, we're trying to prove ghosts are real. It was like, hey, if you go to Bernersville, there's this haunted tree called the Devil's Tree, and if you touch it, you die. And that's the story they tell. And it's not, we're not trying to say that's true or prove it, but I love, I always loved as a teenager, even before I worked there, reading this magazine and like going and breaking into abandoned mental hospitals or finding the devil's tower, like all this stuff. And there's a part of me that wants to have a, a headstone that says, 
ye who walk across this grave shall meet your demise within 24 hours. Like to just start an urban legend that if you stand on my grave, you die within a day. I think that would be cool. Have people terrorize my grave. That would be amazing and horrifying. I would love yeah. that for you, for you and I mean, for all the kids in town. In that way, you'll live forever. I mean, because people I will be so. like calling your name in, in mirrors. They'll be, it'll grow so far beyond just the headstone. It'll be like Chris Gethard. Like, there'll be such a story about that that gets built. I hope so. I hope so. I'd we'll really, perpetuate it. I would love to become like a, a an urban legend. It, it would be an honor and... Yeah, to haunt teenagers forever would just I think that's the best way to spend eternity. So you're you're creating a world, you're creating a world that is the world you want to live in, not yes. a representation of the world we do live in. Yes, I am I am tricking the aliens into thinking this world is cooler than it is in my opinion. I love that. Let's prank them. I, I want them that. to think this world is a world of ridiculousness and chaos where anything goes. That's what I want. I love that. So you're shutting up Jackass the show? I'm sending, I actually am a huge fan of Jackass, and I would argue actually that I'm sending up the things that imprinted on my DNA in the exact way that made me love Jackass. Yes. Okay. I would say yeah. it is. It's that. that part of my brain is going up into space. Yes. Chris, what is the first thing on your records? Okay. So all of these are videos. Um, at least of the first four, I explained to you guys that I have some options for five, but I don't want to overcommit until I see how this goes. The first one is something that I think everyone should know about and see. Many people do, obviously. It's a viral video. It is a thing that when I am depressed, I watch. I have recommended other people in my life do the same. I say that genuinely, and I very notoriously suffer from real depression, and this sometimes solves it. It is a video from a Halloween segment um, of of whichever Al Roker was it ABC or NBC that Al Roker was, was the morning show host the Today Show it's the Today Show they had a Halloween segment um, that I don't know if you've seen it or if you'd like to watch it or just have me describe it but uh, Al Roker was dressed as Han Solo one uh -huh. of the co-hosts was dressed as Queen Amidala and they had a guest on who was showing you how to make <laughs> Halloween themed alcoholic beverages and um <laughs> And like candy treats. And like a flowered pumpkin, like putting flowers yes. inside a pumpkin. Things right. like that. Crafts and treats for Halloween. And they very foolishly, <laughs> for the Star Wars theme, booked two little people to come portray Ewoks. Sure. And the Ewoks, even through the costume, you can tell, <laughs> probably hit that green room and like see this other act. Uh, here's what I assume happened. is one of the little people actors walks in and is like, Oh, cool, man. Good to see you again. We're going to do another job together, huh, Dave? And he's like, yeah, but it's always fucking elves and Ewoks. Like, they always give us that. And then they're like, let's just do some shots and chill the fuck out. And at 6.30 in the morning, these Ewoks just got some shots together. And they run roughshod over this segment. Wait, wait, wait. One of the Ewoks is drinking already. You know? Yeah, the Ewoks are always a scene stealer, for goodness sakes. Okay. They, I mean, they're like chugging candy. It's they're throwing segment. candy. They're chugging candy. It gets, it gets so much worse. It gets so much worse. They're moonwalking. They're pushing each other around. They're I kicking. Mean, it's they're like, fighting at the end. Yes, they they're start really karate fighting. kicking each other. One of them yeah. has sex with Al Roker's leg. I These feel so the, dirty. <laughs> These are some of the worst of live television. Okay. It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> 
One of them starts incredible. doing push-ups, I, I believe. He's there do push-ups. One of them grabs a martini from the alcohol lady. It's really worth watching the full thing uh, on your own time because the lady who was booked on getting booked on the Today Show to promote like your craft business is a huge, huge, deal. massive, big, big, and she tries so faithfully to just stay the course <laughs> and she starts getting you can tell there is a seething anger building towards these ewoks and she's trying to just say like oh they're really going nuts now but maybe we can focus on the candy corn flavored muffin that i made and yeah. <laughs> and and you can hear she's trying to act professional but it's a a volcano of bubbling anger towards these ewoks as they and oh, and the other part when you watch the whole thing is clearly they had set up like a sound person whose job was to put Ewok sound effects over them as they walked around. And the person was not smart enough to stop. So there's like an Ewok having sex with the ground. And then there's sound effects over it of people <laughs> like, like Ewok talking as this Ewok moonwalks and then does the worm and then humps the floor. On national television, it's. It, I I want the world to be like that every day. Absolutely. Yeah, you know what it seems like. It seems like a segment on. Speaking of the Meg Stalter show, which I think has some vibe share with the Eric Andre show. Yes. And it seems like something Eric Andre would have done to someone, like book someone earnestly on his show, and then intentionally got. But this is like fully unintentional. I'll also say I did a public access show called The Chris Gethard Show that I was a very, very happy and creative stretch of my life that I still look back, can't believe I got to do it. But I, I've never told Meg this, but I will say when I first saw an episode of The Meg Stalter Show, I had a brief 10 seconds of fear that it was actually a video made just to mock me because the vibe, I was like, oh, this vibe feels like public access. And then I realized no one would put in this amount of work to make fun of someone they've never met. Well, YouTube actually does just that for some people. Oh, there's certainly people I've never, there are other comedians I've never met who have had a lot to say about me, believe me. But I got the sense, oh no, these are, these yeah, are people. actual the, real world life. And also brain. looking at that crew and, and knowing Hell Trap Nightmare and stuff. I'm like, oh, these yeah. are just kindred spirits is what's happening yeah. here. I can yeah. stop yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Chicago weirdos, yeah. I love it. I love Chicago weirdos historically. Chicago weirdos should be in charge, but... They should be in charge. Back to this video, I have to say that not a small part of it. It's going to seem like a small part uh, to anyone who... I hope that the listeners are watching this, took, took a break to watch it, or coming back, whatever. It's going to seem like a small part to just hear me say this of the video, but it actually, I think, plays such a huge role. The wig that Al Roker is wearing is while, while he tries to like so bad. He tries to maintain some kind of order and be like, ha ha, well anyway, but he is in this wig that is so fucking funny. It's yeah. really bad and does not look like Han Solo at all. No, it's more like um Hansel from Hansel and Gretel. Like yeah. that's kind of the wig energy that he's deserve he's serving. Oh, it's so funny. This is also this is not an Al Roker quote, but there's a moment where he says something like this where he because you said, like, he's wearing this wig and he's trying. And, and there's moments where he's like, guys, can we calm down? Oh, someone needs to tell the Ewoks to chill out. And then it takes a turn where he's finally just like, look what they're doing now. Like, he just starts <laughs> leaning into it. And it is great. It is great. There's a part where he tries to break up the fight. Like, he is standing oh, yeah. between them and, like, like pushing one away. 
I think that's when they have sex with his leg, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And, and and another not small part of it that might sound small, but again, watch it, is I think for this to be as funny as it is, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen, the ground did have to be covered in loose hay. Yeah. And it is. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> every time they shuffle, it moves around, and it just adds so much literal texture to it. It's so funny. And it also lets you know that they had set dressers wake up at yeah. five in the morning. <laughs> And really build this and think about it. And that the lady who had the craft business probably was did a walkthrough and said, I'd really like the hay to be a little thicker, please. Or yeah, can we yeah, make it yeah. can we push it a little further into the corners? Like she was a very type A person who probably meticulously thought about this, but she could not anticipate what was about to happen. I, and the crafts, I mean, they're so also bad. <laughs> That's like also a part of it. Like yes. putting a bunch of holes in a pumpkin and filling them with orange flowers is such a, a an insane thing to do. Nobody wants that. That somehow that feels also like just so unhinged and unearthly. I mean, it is very earthly. It's the best. It cheers me up every time I watch it. It should cheer. <laughs> it, it should cheer anybody up. And I think it's a the. It, my favorite thing about a clip like this is um, there's not really a world. It's the same with like a lot of clips that go viral, like where the woman is. Um, you remember that old viral clip where the woman is stomping grapes at the winery on the news? Oh, she falls. That's like an old school first wave viral video. It's all of that those. Is, I'm not kidding. The funniest video I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, well, she also, the thing about that video that will always get me is that she goes, stop, and then tries to, like, get ahead in the stomping, and that's what makes her fall. That makes me... They're all all a special brand of thing that we would have never seen or talked about had they not gone horribly wrong, and that Mm -hmm. is my favorite kind of viral clip where it's like, this was just supposed to be some throwaway two-minute TV segment that no one was ever really (laughs) supposed to watch. Like, you know, other than people who passively have it on for breakfast. And now it's like going to live on for a very long time on the internet. I love that. Like that, um, Caleb, I think you really like this one, but maybe I'm wrong. The news clip where it's the guy who like climbed a mountain and they go. We're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. I mean, (laughs) we'll hear about that. Oh my god, because it's in the yeah. reason that one's also so funny is that it's in <laughs> it's in perfect news voice. Yeah. <laughs> Guy climbed Mount Everest, but get this, he's, he's gay. gay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do well with altitude. Blind. Yeah. Well, you never see a gay person do I mean, but also it's kind of true. Oh man. God, that's so funny. <laughs> That's my favorite like, <laughs> news <laughs> But get this. He's gay. He's gay. <laughs> but. <laughs> okay. Woo. <laughs> no, all of the, any, anytime, especially anytime the news is just such a funny place for things to go that wrong. Because that's it's a very... whole genre of, of news mess ups. I mean, keep fucking yeah. that chicken is great. Uh, <laughs> you know that one? No, what York, is that? Keep fucking New the York, chicken? There, New York newscaster Ernie Anastas, who I grew up in North Jersey, he was on TV from when I was a child. There's a bizarre clip where someone ends a segment and he's like, It's a tough man to make a tender forecast, Nick. I guess that's me. Keep fucking that chicken. 
It makes no sense. And he claimed it was something else, but when you listen to it, it's very clearly Ernie Anastas saying, saying keep fucking that keep chicken. Keep fucking that chicken. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Ooh, okay. Oh, all right, Chris. Wait. What? Do we have to take a break? Yeah, I think it's time to take a break. Fuck. Let's just do it. Let's get it over with. Okay. 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 What's, <laughs> What's next? next? <laughs> What's next on the record? This one makes the Ewoks one look grounded. <laughs> this is something that, to my knowledge, has not gone that viral. But there's a backstory to it. So, I'm old. I turned 41 on Sunday. So, I... I'm part of that little micro generation that straddles Gen X and the millennials. So I, I grew up where you had to like get stuff on videotape and like with your VCR. And there was this Spanish language game show that my brother and I, me and my brother were both total weirdos. There was a Spanish language game show called El Gran Juego de la Oca, the grand game of the goose. And this was a game show that we did not understand because we did not, we are not bilingual. But it had a big giant game board and you'd roll dice and then you'd like land on one and they'd make you do truly dangerous games. Um, Like I saw one where it was really simple. They had a bunch of cars parked next to each other and the window was open and they explained, oh, I was able to just turn. You have to climb through that window, get all the way through, climb to the next car and get to the other end, get out. And the first one had all these balloons so you couldn't see. And then the next one I think smelled real bad. The third one was filled with snakes. And then the fourth one had a full-grown mountain lion waiting in the car. So this person is fleeing the snakes and then just gets pinned down by a lion and has to be rescued. So we loved this show. It was the greatest show we'd ever seen, but we didn't understand it until inexplicably one day I turn it on and I start screaming for my brother because there were no DVRs. You had to see something in the moment. And I start saying, Greg, get up here right now because there was a contestant on the show named Mr. T. <laughs> and Mr. T was wearing a translator headset. So they were speaking to him in Spanish and he was reacting in English. Be careful, ten cuidado. And all of a sudden it was like we could learn the rules of the show. So it's like a Rosetta Stone into one of the most bizarre game shows I've ever seen. And then on top of it, it's not just anybody speaking English. It's Mr. Mr. T. T. (laughs) And they have him doing crazy stuff. Um, the one I remember most vividly, and you can find a lot of clips out there and you can find the full episode if you search well enough, but I remember one where they made him crawl through a cave and the cave was, it was almost like, um, with the ants, like when you're a kid and you have the thing, you know what I mean? And you can see into the ant colony from the side. Yes. Yes. An ant farm. An ant farm. So it was like that where the wall was plastic. So you could see into the cave he was climbing through and there was a big (laughs) countdown clock and as it got to 10, Mr. T, with genuine fear in his voice, starts going, no, oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. And then the cave explodes while he's what? inside. <laughs> this is what I want the aliens to know of Earth. Uh, it's it, it, the Mr. T of it all. It, it, yeah, like, the Mr. T of it all really 
<laughs> Could have been anybody. Had to be Mr. T. I just think he's such a he's such a big personality to do something like this and and to be like a translator is something you that's usually like I don't know I think I feel like we consider translators or like sign language interpreters to be very like um not bland but like you know just truly like message translators like not big huge personalities with like iconic uh imagery around them Mr Mr T makes it so much funnier to me he makes everything funnier I'm watching a clip from this where he is Climbing across a bridge, which is on fire. In the fire, sky. In the sky, yes, yeah. Yes, over yes. a pool while he well. unscrews a bunch of bricks. I'm not I, watching it now, but if I remember right, is there not a pirate ship in the in in the pool? Not yet. And a net, a big net hanging yeah, above it? Yeah. And then also, at some point, there's an entire uh, synchronized swimming performance as that the, he just as you do. watches, watches. <laughs> he just <laughs> enjoys it. He takes it in. Well, what um, would you? What would you have him do? Well, I would have them not do a performance. You have Mr. T on. Have him get in the pool. What would I have him do? Get in the pool. I want him in the pool. It is one of the things about El Gran Huego de la Oca that I never fully understood, but that I do love is sometimes you'd land on a square on this game board, and you'd have to do one of these things where all of a sudden you're on a net in the sky above a pool. But then sometimes 30 scantily clad women would emerge from the back and start dancing. And there's one game board where if I remember right, one of the spots on the game board has a skull and crossbones. And if you land on that, you automatically have to go and, and wrestle a man who's dressed as an executioner. It's an incredible <laughs> game show. Hugely influential on me. Hugely influential on me. It's so weird and it's so bizarre. Like, I just, I, I really, we really need more. We need more of it. We need, uh, we need a remake. I don't know if it's still on the air. We need this. There was some Japanese game show that I got really into for a period of time where they would like have to run up an oil slicked hill covered in mud and then like, like it was like, but you never knew what was going on. You just saw a bunch of people like running around doing like crazy shit. And I could watch that for hours. <laughs> I love it. I love fucked up TV and languages. I don't know. I think it enhances the experience to not know exactly what's going on. Yeah. I love that Japanese prank show where there were a bunch of men at a ski resort in a mountaintop bathhouse and then the walls collapsed and all of their massage chairs were on sleds and they didn't know it and they sent them <laughs> naked down a hill like a ski sled. Like I love anything like that. Those weird Brazilian prank shows that just go way too hard, just way <laughs> too hard where there's like uh, uh, the glowing translucent uh, ghost of a little girl who emerges from in between two cars in a dark parking garage, like anything that just <sighs> goes too hard. I love it. One of my favorite shows of all time is Scare Tactics. I just love things that are chaotic and not supposed to be happening. And that's kind of the theme I've realized of my of my choices today. Is there a theme song for this game show? Oh, uh, uh, for El Gran Huego de la Oca? Yeah, uh, I'm there just curious is, what it would sound there like. There is, and I remember it well, and there's an accompanying hand motion that they all do. It goes, <laughs> if I remember right, it goes, El Gran Huevo de la Oca, 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 <laughs> and you make wings with your hands and fly them because it means the grand game of the goose. Grand uh, game of the goose. Yeah. Grand game of the goose. That, 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 I, I, it's not quite, it's definitely nowhere near as extreme, but it really reminds me of, did you guys ever watch um, 
Silent Library. Oh yeah. Yes. Great show. I we used to watch that shit for hours, like just as much as I could. I thought it was so funny. I thought that was funny. I also thought Boiling Points was pretty funny, mm-hmm. which was around the same time. What is Boiling Points? Boiling Points was they would just like pick a person to prank and see how long it took for them to like boil over. Oh, the, sure. <laughs> the Little Rat Man episode of Scare Tactics is one of the greatest and most brilliantly executed pieces of comedy I've ever seen in my lifetime. Do you know this one? No, what happens? Well, if you remember Scare Tactics, the part that is morally concerning is that they very often would put up Craigslist ads for jobs, so they were just baiting poor people into being terrified. That's not okay. (laughs) Wouldn't change a thing. Love it so much. They hired someone who had to do like a cleaning job, like a commercial cleaning job, and joined this crew. And the person came in, and they were cleaning up this lab, and they said like, yeah, there's we don't know what this is. It was like some science thing or pharmaceutical company, but it's all these rumors. They were doing like research on animals and it kind of went wrong. And that's why they cleared out and left all this stuff here. So we just got to clear it out. And then it keeps coming out and they're like, we actually heard a rumor that they were like doing weird stuff with animal DNA and human DNA. And like, there's all these rumors that I'm sure aren't true. And then they have the guy cleaning and he opens a cabinet at one point and they have the shortest little person actor I've ever seen in very, very realistic rat prosthetics, but he's standing on two feet. Mm. So he opens a cabinet and there's a little rat man who just goes like, ah! But the best part is the guy at first flips out and is on the verge of tears. What did you see? There's like a little monster man running around in here. And then he starts yelling. Do you need help, little man? Little rat, like, little rat man, are you okay? <laughs> and he, he starts showing empathy and sympathy to the little rat man, and I love it. I love everything oh. about it. I want the world to be less controlled, is what I want. Yeah. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah. We need more yeah. little rat men. I want to live in a cartoon world. We need more little rat men. We need more little rat men. I'm realizing all the things I'm telling you, first of all, are just us discussing viral videos, which I imagine kind of sucks as far as my record to be shot into space. But also, they're they're all just things where I go, they're all just sort of like live action cartoon moments. That's what they are. The reason it doesn't suck and the reason it's dope is that everybody's episode reflects, I feel like, really beautifully who they are and... You want to live in cartoon world and and you want to live in crazy Mm -hmm. cartoon world and these are crazy cartoon moments and that's why that shit goes viral is because it's like, yeah, you can watch it 200 times. It literally is so funny. It's always going to be funny. It's always going to be like, and it doesn't, it's so unhinged that you don't have to like, it completely takes you out of the realm of reality. Like you're like, oh, I don't have to worry about my shit. There is a fully different like plane of being that exists. I also will say too, all of these things are things that I genuinely love and I hope people listening understand that. And like, these are things that I saw when I was young and they, they really helped me grow up with this attitude that has helped my career where I always was just like, you know, the common theme of everything that I'm talking about today is like, that's not supposed to be happening. Like that is disrupting the algorithm. Today's show is not supposed to have that. You're not supposed to see Ewoks fist fighting on the Today Show. Like you're not supposed to see it. You know, like anything that goes wrong on TV, I've worked in TV enough now to know, like they would prefer that everything is meticulously accounted for with each passing second. They do not want anything to happen by chance on 99% of television. So I like when it goes wrong. I love when things go wrong. Well, that's also to a much lesser scale why people like 
watching people break and like like on SNL mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. like the 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 people's favorite moments are the parts where like the cast can't keep it together. And it's not because that's the funniest writing. It's because you're like, oh, they're people and they're ha- like. Because something's happening. You're yeah, watching something happen. I will say too, not to talk bad. I, I I was a guest writer there many moons, 14 years ago. And I have a lot of friends who work there now um, and have over the years. But I am consistently confused that that's probably the most prominent live show outside of sports and news. And they have like Gary Richardson working there, Stephen Castillo, Dan Licata, like people who are fucking troublemakers. And I sit here and go, and I'm sure there's reasons, but I go, they've never done an interactive bit that incorporates Twitter to my knowledge. I don't think I've seen that. I don't think they've done something where it's like, Every every person watching this show probably has a phone or an iPad within reach, and you could be doing so much stuff with a live show that would cause so much disruption in ways that could be very funny or could be very shocking, but it's up to you. There's truly like apps that like corporations use in like corporate training that is like use your phone to vote for x y and z and they could literally do that for like a choose your own adventure sketch that the audience like that's probably the base level of what they could do but like they've never yeah they've never just let it be loose and it's like it's new every week why not do that it takes a lot of pressure off of the writers it's also it is impressive what they do and i'm not trying to talk shit and i'm not trying to add to the dialogue of like snl's lame like every generation has that conversation but the people, you know, people consuming it now love it. It's speaking to young people. But I just I just sit there. I go, man, I would get fired if I was a writer on that show because I would never write a sketch. And I'd just be like, let's have a thing where um, Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett are on screen in the beginning. And we say one of them's going to get kicked by a fucking donkey in the head at the end of the episode. Go vote on who it is and return to them four times and show their mounting yeah. fear. And, that, and they'd just be like, get the fuck out of here. That's not a sketch. And I'd be like fair point fair point but that's like very similar to what like i went to summer camp for a lot of years everyone that listens to this podcast knows that because i keep talking about it but there would be like (laughs) days where we would have like game shows as evening activities and there would be like activities that were purely like this happens at the beginning and then we wait till the end to see how it's going and we check in like once or twice and there's one that i think i've talked about on here where they have to like sit in an ice bucket and there's like a bunch of people at that are having to do it and try and stay in the longest and just they sit on stage during the show just freezing their ass off and then um people would like have to go race to get them clothes throughout the whole thing to try and like, keep them warm enough Oof. and then they would just be like how's it going like in the middle of other games and they would just be like bad <laughs> like i'm having a bad time i the worst i ever injured myself on stage was in a similar bit <laughs> where we did the Chris Gethard show live at South by Southwest. And uh, I came up with an idea called the human Sunday where I sat in a kiddie pool and they dumped the cast. My castmates dumped gallons and gallons of ice cream on me and the crowd could yell out what toppings they wanted. And then the crowd, I invited people to come up and eat it at the end. And some did, which is horrifying. <laughs> But I, in my mind, here's how stupid I am. In my mind, I go, great. My body heat will melt the ice cream. And what actually happens when you sit under giant piles of ice cream is that the The ice ice cream cream, cools you down. It fuses to your skin like that scene in Christmas Story with the tongue and the flagpole. (laughs) Yeah. And I had burns and blisters 
all over my body because I sat in ice cream like an asshole. No. Was it worth it? Totally. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't change exactly. a thing about exactly. that era of exactly. my life. Exactly. That's when I felt young and awake and creative and alive. And now my whole set is about lawn care. So I can't regret it. No, I well, tell is. us something about lawn care. We don't know anything. Yeah, what, oh, do you, well, what do you know about lawn care? How about this? My lawn right now is overrun with mouse-eared chickweed, and I'm pissed. How about that? <laughs> Who's having that conversation in the mainstream media? No one. No one. No one. No at one. All. Everyone's afraid to talk about it, but here I am. I have chickweed mouse mouse plants in my yard. <laughs> mouse-eared chickweed. Mouse-eared chickweed. It's worse than regular chickweed. It's mouse-eared. It's bad. It spreads right, in a worse right. way. You never want mice around, I'm even if it's just that. their years. Yeah, it comes back every around. year. The other chickweed dies and it goes away. This chickweed comes back. It's a perennial. It's it sucks. It can't Last be year I had the crabgrass. I fought off the crabgrass finally, and now I got the chickweed. Come on. Mousy or chickweed. So it comes back every year. How do you officially get rid of it? You rip up the lawn, put a new one down? No, you got to keep trying to strengthen your lawn. You, every fall, you aerate your lawn. You overseed the areas that are problematic. You have a whole rotation of different fertilizers and herbicides and insecticides, and you use them at certain times and you research it. You can find out what zone you're in. The United States, I think, has six zones and it tells you different times of year they should be doing things. Um, you have to time a lot of it around average soil temperature. There's an app you can get called Yard Mastery that will tell you your area's average soil temperature for that day. Um, grass is only going to grow after it hits. Caleb, your face is actually so so profoundly disgusted that I'm this knowledgeable Chris, about this. We just don't want to be a lot like the, old. This is this <laughs> I don't is grow up. don't this ever is, get to be my age. Don't ever do it. This spontaneously combust at 38 long. years old, and you'll be good. This is the second time today. I'm not disgusted with you. I'm disgusted with myself. This is the second time today that somebody has. I, I stood in Sephora today, a store that I've never been in until today, and for 45 minutes, a genius, a man who should be, it probably in charge of a hospital or something somewhere. I mean, this man yeah, is a genius. Yeah. He stood in the store and he explained what I should be doing to take care of my human skin, the one human skin that I've been provided for my time on Earth. And I just stood there and all I could think was, I'm never going to remember this. I'm such a fucking idiot. I'll spend, I'll, I'll give you $200. Just give me the, give me the products. And I had, he, he felt so unsure that I would do good with what he told me and sold me that he forced me to follow him on Instagram so that he could message me reminders about what I'm supposed to do with for my skin. And I feel the same way listening to you talk about the lawn. I'm like, this is so smart and probably good to know. And I just will never retain it. And and also, like you said, that man should be doing something better than that. And I don't know how I've slipped through the cracks in the past three years since my TV show got canceled, but no one really wants to take my pitches seriously. So I guess you I'll sit be here and talk care. about how I like uh, the Black Beauty Ultra Brand of grass seed because it's a combination <laughs> of perennial rye, Kentucky bluegrass, and tall fescue. I can do that. You can absolutely do that. HGTV, HGTV needs to give you a lawn care show. That's I what I think that. needs to happen. I would love that. But never we'll get, get on old. The phones. Never get we'll old. We'll get on the phones. Thank you for being some of the young people who still have things to say, because I still enjoy watching comedy from the, from the troublemakers, even though I'm no longer apt to do it myself. What we need is... Um, 
like I, I mean I feel a little bit encouraged on the on the front of like I, f- I think the same thing I look at some of the people who write for SNL who I know and have seen perform and I go god damn I mean if if if, if I felt like they, they were really in charge and not just uh, pitching to other people this show would definitely look a lot different but I feel encouraged by like uh, Christopher Carmen uh, his new special looks oh, very Carmen weird Christopher yeah yeah Carmen yeah. Christopher his his new thing I don't know him but I know him from the web and his shit looks great he's one of my best friends he and I go on the road together. I watched him develop all that material and it was so fucking cool. Him and Meg and uh, Sarah Squirm and mm-hmm. a bunch of other people in Chicago who are not getting any money or attention for comedy uh, just it's need like... It's starting though. It's starting. It is. It is yeah, starting. It's starting. That crew is starting to really roll and I like seeing it. I also don't know... I don't know Holmes, but only from the appearance on the Meg Stalter show, but that show's about to pop off, and I think that's going to go well. Yeah. It's based on, like, a hugely popular show in England. I think it has a really good chance. Like, all these people coming out of the woodwork, it's going to get cool. It's going to get cool. It is going to get cool. The Holmes Project, for people listening, is uh, Welcome to Flatch. Holmes is there. Welcome to Flatch, coming probably in the winter. Probably January. It's based on this country from um, the UK. That is going to be dope, and that is a very weird show. It is going to be very strange. Whatever mid-season means, whatever (laughs) mid-season means, that's when Welcome to Flatch will be releasing. I can't wait. It's good to see some of the weirdos sneaking through the back door. Getting on yeah. network, I like it. Speaking of speaking of backdoor uh, tiny little TV shows, what's your what is the next thing you put on your records? It's another Mr. T related thing. I want the aliens to think that Mr. T is one of the central figures of human civilization. <laughs> In my opinion, he is. He is. I, th- I think he's more important than than we give him credit for. Um, it's a, a clip called Conan takes Mr. T apple picking. Conan O'Brien is like an actual like everything we were just talking about about how. I like seeing the young weirdos bubble into the surface lately, especially the Chicago crew. Like, I feel like when I was 20 and starting out, his show was everything I wanted to be a part of. So strange. And talk about a show that like really shook up the the algorithm and the status quo. And this is probably my favorite piece of comedy of all time. It's just what it sounds like. Conan takes Mr. T apple picking, which is already just such a simple premise where as soon as you hear it, you go, I understand that and I get why it's funny. And then you have the added joy that Mr. T just acts like such an unpredictable weirdo throughout. And you get to see someone as funny as Conan O'Brien uh, keep keep reacting to him. The height of it being when Mr. T starts claiming that he found an apple that had a bee embedded inside it. And he then smashes it with his elbow and says, <laughs> All right, dead bee. T1 B zero, <laughs> and you get to watch Conan O'Brien react to that, which is just there's nothing better. It's the it's my favorite piece of comedy that I've ever seen. Yeah, Mr. T. I need to see Mr. I need a I need a whole series of Mr. T going to places that um, you wouldn't think of Mr. T. I need Mr. T. at a um, a China shop. I need Mr. T. at a, a, a knitting circle. Just you know, maybe kind of quiet, uh, kind of quiet places where Mr. T. can go and just be himself and fucking take over. Mr. T. at uh, retirement home bingo. Mr. T. Kill. <laughs> Love it. They should be Love so lucky. It. I would watch that show. That's my brain. I'm like, why isn't that on ABC at 8 p.m.? That show would Mr. Crush. T at Water Aerobics. Oh, that would be a really good he one. He would kill yeah. at that. Yeah. Uh, Conan, Conan does. I mean, even like a couple of years ago, 
I think about all the time that Conan and Billy, Conan had, Conan had Billy Eichner on and uh, they created a grinder account together and like drove around in a van and like tried to pick up guys on grinder, which I thought was so fucking weird. And like trying to imagine like Jay Leno doing that or, you know, so which Jay Leno's whatever. I mean, people like Jay Leno. That's great. I'm just the weirdness and the adventure that Conan was willing to do with stuff was so dope. Well, something about Conan also makes that not like, this is no shade, but if Jimmy Fallon did that, I would be like, this is homophobic. <laughs> it, would have, it would have a different air yeah. to it. I would say, oh, this has a taste. This has a taste. <laughs> like even like John Stewart, John Stewart doing it. I would be like, I don't think you should be doing You're kind of right. Conan yeah. is like, yeah. everyone Conan knows that Conan enough- is like a trickster God. Like he's not. Yeah. He's not trying to make any points. He just yeah. Wants he to has crush enough trouble. of a like of a just like wild card energy that you're like, oh, this isn't him being fucked up. This is him being just like him sitting in the room and one of his writers is like, walk with me, and he's like, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you also, I think you get the feeling that um, Conan. I, I think you, I think you get the feeling that Conan maybe got picked on at some point in life. So you go, oh, he can go on, he can yeah. go on Grinder. Jimmy Fallon can't go on Grinder. You're not allowed to do that bit because it feels like it's probably been a little bit different for uh, Fallon than it was for Conan, just in life. Yeah, Conan. Conan lets himself get picked on still. No one's picking on the rest of them. But like Conan has some guests on and he just like lets them beat him up emotionally. And then he's like, all right, well, and then he like carries on. Yeah, it's it. Conan's the whole show. I mean, it's what it is. It ending this month, next month. His show's almost I up think this month. Yeah, yeah, but he's trying to get on to some other platform. He's going to be on HBO Max. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what, what he, he does, does. there. Because I actually feel like we've... Uh, Although his podcast brought it back in a big way and was huge, but I feel like with his TV show, like, like we kind of forgot how lucky we were to have him. So I hope mm, his yeah. HBO Max show is just everything he wants, every strange fucked up idea he wants it to be. And we can all be like, right, he's the best. He's the best. He's the best at it. A Conan sans. Really a Conan appreciation sans. Oh, I love it. I, I love, love it. it. Okay, what else, Chris? What else would you put on your records? This next one is something that most people haven't seen unless they're fans of professional wrestling, uh, which I am, Mm -hmm. but that I think everyone will enjoy. And that I think the, the, this is one that the aliens will have to wonder what's going on. This is called the shock master. (laughs) It fits the theme of everything else I've been talking about. The backstory on this is that um, sting from the WCW was feuding with Sid vicious and the Harlem heat Sting kept saying he had a new partner who was going to join him to fight these enemies. And this new enemy's name was the Shockmaster. And he had teased it a couple times. So everybody's watching going, who is the Shockmaster? What's it going to be? And this is the video of what happened when they introduced him. Um, It's not that long. I don't know if you guys are watching now, but Sting finally says... All I have to say is our partner is going to shock the world because... He is none other than the Shock Master! The Shock Master! (laughs) And then I almost feel like one of you should describe what you see when this man enters for the first time after hype. So it's going to go ahead and be there's a yellow wall. Mm -hmm. And he he yells Shock Master. And then a large man in a bedazzled Darth Vader mask and a black... I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in really quick just so the listeners know. He's not just large, he's fat. 
which is a huge part of it. It's cool. It makes it way cooler. He's a big chunky. He's a big chunky guy. He's not just like tall or muscular. He's a chunky dude. All right. Fat guy. Bur- bursts through the wall. Falls over. <laughs> he- helmet comes off. Helmet comes fully off. Puts it back on. <laughs> tries so hard. That's an accident. So right. he definitely tries to put it back on quickly. And then he shakes his head off. You know, he's... Uh, I don't know if he's talking. I will say that. But he's just sort of standing there for me. And he's in sort of a denim with a sort of Western belt and cowboy boots. And there's, from the helmet, there's, and he's wearing a blouse, uh, like a, an open blouse, <laughs> like jacket. And there's, yeah, he's wearing a royal sort of cape. Like it's got um, pillowed sleeves. And there's glitter all over his chest from the helmet coming off. So there's like glitter on his on his boobs and his neck. Um and he's got long hair coming out the back. It really is quite a fit. It's quite a it's quite a look. The helmet looks like and Shelby, I, I was kind of watching while you were talking, so I don't know if you said this. The helmet looks like a Darth Vader helmet. Yeah, okay. I did. Okay, it's great, a bedazzled great, great. Darth Vader helmet for wow. sure. Wow, it's really something. And Chris, this is one of your favorite things. Absolutely, I'm happy to tell you that as a child, I was watching this live while it happened. <laughs> it's since become legendary, but again. Just the idea of we're going to hype this dude up. And you can tell from the outfit, this was already not going to be a successful idea. To keep saying, oh, the Shockmaster's coming. The Shockmaster's coming. Like, if it went well and he emerged in a glittery purple Stormtrooper helmet with a weird vest, if it went well, the fans were not going to go with this. It was not going to entice wrestling fans into liking this person. And then it didn't go well. He busted his ass and the helmet fell off in the intro that's suppo- supposed to establish him as this badass equalizer. And I, I, I almost died as a child watching it because I couldn't breathe because I was enjoying it so much. Chris, do you have do you have more things you want to put on your records? How are you feeling? I'm feeling rather proud of my calculated strategy to just try to confuse aliens. I feel like if they landed on Earth after watching all these clips they would expect something wildly different than what they'd receive. You know, they would expect a lot of yeah. stunts and heavy Mr. T involvement and all this stuff. So I feel like, I think what I'd like to end on is more footage just to confuse them, which is the most notorious fight in NBA history was the malice at the palace, the Detroit Pistons versus the Indiana mm-hmm. Pacers. Mm-hmm. It goes on forever and it's nuts And there's not, I'm not going to sit there and claim that it's funny, but I think it's like the perfect cherry on top to confuse these aliens about what they're getting into. So that, that I think is the perfect way to end this, where they might just go, like you're saying, as far as how do you know if they have infiltrated us, I would argue that this list I've come up with would make them completely uninterested in even coming here. I think that a fight at a sporting event is a really, really good encapsulation of at least American culture. Uh, the, oh, yeah. It's just it's so pure. I mean, we're here we are playing a game, and then we get so mad about the game that we're playing, which is uh, just for, it's just made up. We just made this up and decided to do this with our bodies. We're so mad that now we're physically hurting each other. I think it's so funny. And let's keep in mind, too, this is the fight where um, the fight started amongst the players, and then a fan threw a beer onto Ron Artest, who turned around and basically broke the fourth wall in, in in a sports sense by charging into the stands and beating yeah. up a man who had paid for a ticket, which again fits into my love of things 
things are supposed to go a certain way. You're supposed to be on the court. I'm supposed to be in the seats. And then you throw a beer like a dickhead. And the next thing you know, you have like a seven foot tall professional athlete on you charging upwards up the stands fighting you and you fucking deserve it and it uh you know it ties into all sorts of stuff too about like athletes you know being like basically like commodified humans and especially you know the nba where there's only one black owner of a team and it's michael jordan like you have to be michael jordan to actually be one of the people scooping up billions of and I just love, there's, I, I would never say that what he did was a good thing, but I certainly think that like whoever threw that at him was probably some fucking yokel who never anticipated, oh, that's a human. And there's, there's nothing actually stopping him from hurting me, from coming back at me when I do an aggressive Killing thing. Killing me even. So yeah, again, as far as wanting to let the aliens know that this is an unpredictable world full of endless chaos, I think, because I guess to relate it back to, to lawn care, um, <laughs> well, I, I almost feel like Shelby, you were saying like, how do we root out the aliens? And that's almost like you're saying, I'm going to pull the dandelions when they show up on my lawn. Whereas I'm saying, why don't we go ahead and get a pre-emergent fertilizer that deals specifically with broad (laughs) leaf weeds? Yes, 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 yes. Perfect. Chris, this was uh, an amazing record. Is there anything that you want to tell people before we log off? I just want to say that I have a new special. It's kind of like a half stand-up special, half road documentary, and it's called Half My Life. And there's funny stand-up in it, but then also a lot of footage of what it's like to be on the road and featuring the aforementioned Carmen Christopher. It's like me and him traveling around the country doing shows. And I don't know. We'll see if people like it. I hope they do. I self-funded the whole thing, so I didn't have to get any notes on it. And uh, I'm pretty proud of it. So I hope people check it out. And where is that? It's going to be streaming on like a bunch of places, Amazon Prime and Apple TV and I think Peacock and then some of those weird ones too that live on your Roku that you never open. Like it's, yeah. it's on Tubi. Crackle. It's and- on Tubi. Tubi. And I'm, yeah. I am so, I wish they would let me. I'm so tempted to just only plug Tubi in every promotion I do to just make people think Tubi. it's just just Tubi. Crack open Tubi. Open that up. You never opened before. Get on there and watch Chris's special. My special's the Make only Chris's thing special on it. the number one show. We on could do Tubi. it. We could do oh, it if we, we just tried. Oh, I wish I had thought of that. Everybody make, go to Tubi. Let's get huge. Make on half Tubi. my life the biggest show on yes. Tubi. Now, everyone, you heard it here first. Tubi's blowing up with with Chris's half my life. And I I filmed it at ten different venues. And I just realized um, one of them is the hideout in Chicago, which I think is your old stomping ground. We love the hideout. Yeah, yeah. We love the hideout. That makes me want to yeah, cry. That's so special. Place. Yeah. And then like- One of the best venues in the country. In Baltimore, a woman got on stage and, and physically fought me. And there's footage of a show that I did just for alligators. Like there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of regular standup and then a lot of like shit that is akin to the videos I have plugged today. Yeah, that's awesome. Everyone go check it out. And Chris, you have been an amazing guest. We do want to ask you um, one thing before you go. Shelby, do you want to ask Chris about his message? On the original records in a bunch of different languages, there were like quick greetings. Yeah. Um, If you had to include a greeting, 
just as like a headliner before your things, what are you what are you saying to the aliens? I would say, what up, party people? This is MC Chris G on the ones and twos. <laughs> Check out these cool videos. Catch you on the flip side. And that's exactly. it. So if you walk across my grave, you will be dead within hours. <laughs> and also, please look out for mouse-headed something-somethings on your lawn. That shit will really fuck you up. Mouse-headed chick grass. Mouse-eared chick grass. Chickweed, Check me out on Tubi. <laughs> mouse-eared chickweed sounds like an insult. It's like, all right, you mouse-eared chickweed. It's so <laughs> shitty and awful, and I don't want it as a part of my beautiful grass. And it shouldn't have all right, to be. All right, take care of your chickweed, folks. That was a HeadGum Original.